This episode of YXE Underground is supported by Saskatoon's Michelle's Flowers. Michelle Appoint is a kind and gifted artist when it comes to flowers, and she'll always be there when you need last-minute flowers for your partner. You learn about, uh, you know, how people interact, human nature, how people deal with stress, cope, um, how people find hope, how resilient people are. Like, you just see everything every day. Hello, I'm Eric Anderson. The voice you just heard belongs to the CEO of Ronald McDonald House Charity, Saskatchewan, Tammy Forrester. Tammy, along with her team at the Ronald McDonald House, are the featured guests in Season 3, Episode 8 of YXC Underground. I can't imagine a more harrowing experience for a parent as rushing your child to the hospital, especially if you have no idea what is wrong with them. Some Saskatchewan families in this situation travel to Saskatoon in search of answers at the Jim Pattison Children's Hospital, and they often end up spending time at the Ronald McDonald House. The mission of the house is to provide programs for families with sick children that positively impact the health and well-being of the entire family. We discover how its staff has adapted throughout the pandemic to fulfill this mission in this episode of YXE Underground. It was a very cold day in December of 2018 that I first stepped foot in the Ronald McDonald House. I was spending the day with the Grade 8 EcoQuest program for a Season 1 episode of the podcast. The students were on an urban scavenger hunt and one of the stops was the Ronald McDonald House. I remember feeling so inspired by what was happening inside the house and wanted to learn more, so I feel very fortunate to share this episode with you. The Ronald McDonald House in Saskatoon, which has 34 rooms and more than 300 volunteers, is part of a global organization that gives families the support they need to be with their sick children. There are homes across Canada and their supports range from providing families with a place to stay and meals during really difficult times to having spaces where kids can simply be kids with toys, books, movies and video games. These homes also provide a sense of grounding and structure to families living outside of Saskatoon who often have had their lives thrown into chaos due to the health of their child. Andrea Schick understands firsthand how important Ronald McDonald houses are to families. Let's see if this is working. Hi, Andrea, can you hear me? Hi. Hi. I'm Eric. It's very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Four years ago, Andrea and her family quickly packed up their lives in Regina and moved to the Ronald McDonald house in Edmonton right before Christmas. Andrea's son, Sebastian, had fallen ill and needed to be rushed to Edmonton to be treated. Now remember, this was before Saskatoon had a children's hospital, which is why they had to go to Edmonton. Andrea, her husband, and their two-year-old spent weeks at the Ronald McDonald House in Edmonton while Sebastian received care, and she credits the organization for helping her family through some incredibly difficult circumstances. Sadly, Sebastian's story did not have a happy ending but Andrea's commitment to the organization has not wavered since her son's passing. As I've had some time to reflect on it, I realized that the people that work there, you know, they're working as social workers and counselors every single day with those families um, who are there just at times of absolute crisis. 
you know, some of them are there for scheduled appointments and interventions, um, and they know what's coming and they can prepare in advance. And then there's other families that are there um, without any warning whatsoever. And um, they have to tailor how they're interacting with people every single day based on what they're faced with. And just that ability, like those are some incredibly special people who are able to provide those needs for families like ours. Andrea now works closely with the Saskatoon House to help those families whose stories do not have happy endings. I want to thank Andrea for connecting with me on Zoom from her home in Regina, and I'll be releasing our conversation as a bonus episode in the weeks to come. You heard Andrea mention all the different roles Ronald McDonald House staff have to fill when working with families. That has certainly been the case during the pandemic, and it's something Tammy Forrester takes great pride in. For the past eight years, Tammy has been the CEO of Ronald McDonald House Charities in Saskatchewan, and my goodness, does she give one amazing tour of the house. Seriously, when this pandemic is over, you have to go on a tour and just marvel at Tammy's passion for what her team does for families and all the little things in the house designed to help Saskatchewan families. Everything has a purpose in the house. You are going to hear a really interesting conversation with Tammy throughout this episode, but you'll also hear different voices that will hopefully paint a complete picture of what the house does and how it has adapted to COVID times. Let's start with Tammy Forrester. We met on a Friday morning in late February, and after giving a wonderful 45-minute tour of the house, we sat down in one of her favorite rooms to talk about what the past year has been like for her and her colleagues. We also look at how her team creates community within the home and the opportunities that have emerged because of the pandemic. I started by asking what it was like to give a tour again. Well, I guess for for me, really, it's kind of the first tour that I've done since before COVID. So um, the excitement of being able to show new eyes what it is we do here at the house. I think um, that that is just, that's an overwhelming feeling. And then to connect with someone that's interested in seeing and hearing and feeling the experience of the house. Um, it's just so wonderful to be able to sort of let people walk through the front door and, sh- and show them what we do uh, for families here in this province. I, I think it does lend itself a little bit to how the last year has, has been for you and your, and, and the house. Like what, what, what has that been like? Yeah. You know, it, the first, certainly first few months were just trying to get your feet underneath you to figure out how you were going to serve families. Um, we were informed back in the end of March by our global organization that we had to shut down services to providing sort of any services to new families. So we could serve the families we had, but we couldn't invite anyone new into the environment. So by the end of May, we had, I think we were down to four families or six families, which in a 34 room house, um, that seemed pretty small. <laughs> what so did we, that feel yeah, like? Well, it just felt so strange. We didn't have volunteers. You know, we, we run with 300 plus volunteers. People are in and out of the house serving families, doing uh, baking and cooking and providing meals and helping with cleaning and and welcoming guests and, and just sitting and talking to families. So that came to an end and then not bringing in any new families was sort of put on pause for a while. So it felt very eerie. Just, uh, eerie is probably the best word to describe it because it was nothing like 
what we had ever experienced, like, like everyone. So uh, by the beginning of June, we were able to now um, invite new families back. We could open up our doors again, but we couldn't sort of open them up to visitors and guests and people to tour around or home for dinner programs. That was probably the one that took the biggest hit was volunteers that come in three times a week to help feed the families, cook meals, provide food for families. Uh, that program ultimately from a volunteer perspective has shut down. Yeah. How how then do you do you deal with that? The the fact that the volunteers can't be here for that. Yeah, well staff had to step up and and I think, you know, that has been a heavy weight for staff for sure. Uh people had to adjust their jobs, people who were in housekeeping were now doing food programs, people that were um working in the house on a daily basis had to start working from home. And and so that connection to this facility this place that that ultimately i have felt from the first day i ever stepped in the doors of this house is magical like there there is something that exists in this house that no one can put their finger on that can actually say oh this is what it is but you step into this house and there is something here that um yeah just became very strange for for a few months I, I do want to get to the story of the first time that you set foot in this house, but I, I just want to stick with yeah. with that sort of that that strange feeling. So as as CEO, as as a leader here, how how did you? I don't know if like rally the troops is the right way, but like how how did you keep everyone focused? Because there's obviously important work that needs to happen here, but yet all of our lives that changed so much. Yeah, you know, you're you're dealing with not just the service you need to provide to families here, but you're also dealing with with people, with you know, staff having their own issues and and dealing with grieving of not being able to see their grandkids and and personal issues that staff were sort of experiencing. So, you know, I'm not sure I did a great job in the first little while. I think we're all trying to deal with stuff, but uh, but we had a really important staff kind of round circle conversation kind of mid-April when things were kind of feeling like everyone was a bit uncertain as to where we were going and that I think was a really good opportunity to just settle to be able to you know hear from everybody emotionally where they were at and to know that some people were handling this very differently than others and so then you have to sort of deal with that staff person in a different way than you deal with the one that needs to just go home and work from home and be secure and safe in their home environment so yeah, there was a lot of lot of open conversation after that sort of round circle we had. Um, lots of dealing with people where they are at today. And where they are at today might not be where they are at tomorrow. So checking in with staff, making sure people were doing okay. And then I think this environment is conducive to that. So I think it's just a natural, you know, it's a natural conversation to have with your staff because this is what we deal with every day with families. Families day-to-day -day aren't exactly the same and they're not dealing with the same issue they've got emotional stuff they're dealing with and and we have to serve our families and help them through it so i hadn't thought of that but that's that's such an interesting like sort of correlation that you just made because yeah you're this it comes with the job of this place isn't it yeah it really it really does that is what we do day-to-day -day. so so taking some of that and and doing that with staff and supporting them from you know 
people were people were losing connections and so we had to sort of support and rally the troops and and that is a team effort that's not a, a leader effort that's that's all of us that's you know one day someone goes to you know the fund development person and and has a heart to heart with them because that's where they're ready to go <laughs> so like everyone had to step up to the plate to support and everyone was at a different place at different times so um, I, I do get a real sense of, of camaraderie and, and teamwork amongst not only your staff, but I, I'm guessing the volunteers as well. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, I hope so. I hope people feel like they are a part of a team. I, I would say we have little pockets of teams in this house. Um, we have volunteers that, that really do nothing but food programs and food services. So the bakers and the home for dinner hostesses and the kitchen rejuvenation team, like they're kind of a food programs team. So they've got this little, you know, group that, that connects sort of differently than our guest experience volunteers do because guest experience volunteers are the first face that you see when you walk through the door and they're the greeters and sort of set the tone for customer service and how families and guests and people are going to feel when they walk through the door and and they're more closely connected to family services and supporting families to you know what what are family needs do they need something for their room do they need you know to be led into a, a room for for you know an, a, um, a whatever like What's the word I'm looking for? Not gear, not equipment, but supplies that they would need. So that's kind of the guest experience volunteer. Um, so every so there are little teams within sort of our 350 volunteers. We got a gardening team. We have um, a shuttle team. <laughs> yes, so, we met yeah, Gary yeah, earlier. Yeah, Gary. Gary was here and yeah. providing shuttles. So that was one of the interesting things. I think in the pandemic there's lots of things we lost. There's lots of things we had to shut down, we had to change, we had to reinvent. But there were opportunity spaces which we hadn't really even thought about prior to all these things sort of happening. Um, the lunch program that we are able to provide to families that are over at the Jim Pattison Children's Hospital has been probably one of the best programs that we've been able to partner with the hospital on. So we have the facility to create lunches for families here at the house that then we shuttle over to the hospital. The hospital partner, our, our great partner over there, picks them up, delivers them to all the families that are at the hospital. And, and we're able to provide sort of a, the food, the nutrition, but also the safety of families just being able to stay on the ward that they are on, not sort of going in and out of the hospital to pick up food or to, you know, sort of get outside of that safety zone that they are in at the hospital so it's been a really good partnership and and i don't know if that would have happened if if this hadn't have taken place sort of in our environment and the shuttle program was another one we started the shuttle program in november uh, i mean that was like the height of covid sort of ramping up and we decided to launch a shuttle program well you know you you follow the safety pro protocols you have you know a handful of volunteers that are willing to get behind the wheel and drive families over and and that's been just a, a godsend for people i mean it was minus 50 10 days ago who wants to walk from anywhere like so they could get into the shuttle they could so it was it was just sort of the opportunity that perhaps covid provided for us so that's so that's so interesting yeah, um in in june when you were able to open up the house again to to families um what what was that like and and, and i'm wondering like were families 
was was there some like what what were their feelings because it's it's everything was still so new then and we were still figuring things out what was that like well i would say we we ran the gamut of families that were like oh good now we can stay to families that were like mm, communal living environment not sure i want to go there so we opened up very cl- slowly we started sort of at opening 12 rooms and then and then once we sort of had a month of no COVID cases and, and sort of protocols that were all in place and our housekeeping was well-versed with sort of a, a, all the new things that they had to do, which were, which were big for them. Um, then we would go to 15 families. So then we went the next month with 15 families. Um, so I would say we our slow opening um, allowed some people to feel like that was safe for them. So they knew that they, you know, it's a 34 room house, but there's only 12 families here. I, I feel better about that than if we went from zero to 34 on that June 1st date. So, so there was a progression there. We also had to follow protocols uh, established by our global uh, organization. So we have a new sort of 14 day cycle. So we have in 14 days, we have kind of the same community. And then after 14 days is over, we can then invite new families into the house. So we still have kind of this 14 day rotation of families at the house so that within a 14 day period, it's the same community. Whether that is just mentally safe for people or whether it's actually sort of a safe protocol, um, I guess is yet to be decided. But for us, we haven't had any cases here we've been able to safely manage and monitor the families that are coming in. We um, teach them about protocols and all the things they need to know about being in this communal environment with some of the changes that we had to make. Um, So it's kind of provided some safety there. The other thing is now we have referrals from the hospital. So we have direct referrals from our hospital partners and they do so much COVID screening at the hospital to even get the family in that that's another level of safety and security that that we feel we have established here which hopefully makes the families feel comfortable while they're here yeah thank you for walking me through that because mm-hmm. I, I was curious how that how that worked mm-hmm. um in i want to say like sort of in the before times or like when <laughs> when we weren't in this in this covet environment um when, when a family when a family would come here, and I, and I don't know if it's if it's changed because we have the children's hospital now, but it, when a family would come here, um, what what were those what were those first few days like for a family? Well, I think um, there's a there's definitely a time to get used to being in a communal living environment. I think some people adapt to it really quickly. Um, there are people that that naturally live in communal living environments. Lots of family around, lots of people around, lots of people at the dinner table kind of settings. So people sort of have sort of two responses to it. Um, They either adjust really easily, really quickly, and, and they get it, or they take a few days to kind of get into a rhythm of, okay, like this whole house is my house. I get to be, but but I've got all these people around me that aren't my family, but you know what? I've met them at the hospital. I've talked to them over 
breakfast one morning, like they're starting to become my family. So there's kind of this getting used to how we all live together. And then there's these staff people that wander around and <laughs> greet me in the morning and ask how my day's going. And, you know, they're perfect strangers to me the day that I check in. But, you know, if I stay here for 60 or 90 or 365 days, now they're my family and, and they're part of my life. And, and that is kind of the relationship that, that evolves for families and for us. I mean, we get very connected to families that stay here. Our average length of stay is about six to eight days right now, but we have families that are here 30 to 60 to 90 nights to 250 nights. So, so they become, they are our family. When does that, does it happen sort of organically from a, from your perspective, like, and from, from staff that, that it just sort of happens, those relationships with families or are, are there, are there things and, and maybe it's even in the, in the design of the building that sort of, um, help facilitate that? Yeah, I would, I would say from a design perspective and the building perspective, the kitchen dining room space has been, has been laid out and built and designed in such a way to create community. And, and I think that that's a wonderful testament to the architect who, you know, she, she toured other houses. She saw how houses were sort of laid out the, the best and the worst case scenarios and sort of brought the best to what I think to this house to create that sort of natural space for community to grow and to be created. That being said, we are deliberate in ensuring that families know that they are part of our family. So our family service team is connected to families from the minute they walk through the door. Um, they, they sit with them, they meet with them daily, they, they know their names, they talk to them in the dining room, they make sure they're, they've got everything they need. And then all the rest of us as staff, and, and in the past volunteers, that is the organic part. So, you know, I go to the coffee station in the morning to grab my cup of coffee and there's a family there and we talk about how to make coffee and we talk about, you know, it's cold outside and sort of, you know, those niceties that start to break the ice that then when they come back from the hospital, they have, there's a familiar face and they, they see me or they see a family service person or they see our finance person. So it just starts to organically evolve from there. Would you, would you say that, um, like it, does that come easy and natural to you developing those relationships and just having those those conversations over coffee i would say yes I, I, yeah i think so i you know i've grown up i think probably goes back to my upbringing you know grew up in a in a family where we had lots of different communities we were connected to and lots of different ages and lots of different people within those communities and you know we learned i think how to connect with people and talk to people of different backgrounds and different different ages and and i think you know part of that is sort of what you what you learn as a child and and you know depends on who, how you grow up uh, but i think for me it just sort of is a natural fit and i think because it's all about family here Family is number one in my life, as it is in many people's lives. I want to make sure that families here feel like they are connected to this family. It, it's just all of that. So I think with that perspective, it's, it's easy to, 
to make conversation with people and invite them into your family. I was curious because um, I, I do think, um, like it's, I think it's one thing for people to say, I, I want to create that sense of community, but it's hard. It's hard work to create that community. And I think, um, like, it, it, and yet obviously you guys, you guys do it so well. Um, are there any, like, I don't know if you want to share your secrets at all, but are, are there, like, when you sort of take a step back and, like, can you see sort of tiny things that you've done over the past that have helped really create this sense of, of community within this house? Like, I'm just, that fascinates me. <laughs> well, I, th- I think, first of all, it, it starts with creating the right team. So you need to find the people that are, are genu- genuinely um, interested in connecting to people and to serving people. And I mean, there are so many people in the world that, that want to serve. Um, I, I think we've got a really strong group of people here from staff to volunteers that, that are here for the right reasons. So I think it, it starts there. Um, n- nobody, I, I don't know, I, I think about my, our team here and like nobody is here from a self-serving perspective. It's, it's, I, w- I want to serve the people that walk through those front doors, whether they are families or visitors or guests or service providers. I, I want to be sort of in servanthood to those people. So I think it's that perspective that, you know, you got to put the right people in the right positions to do that. Um, so I think that's part of it. I'm not sure I have, I'm not sure there's other secrets to it. Um, I think one of the other things we do encourage, um, deliberately encourage is, you know, we have office staff here throughout, throughout the day. We encourage people to get out of their office. Like I know you got projects to work on, but, but first and foremost, we are here to serve families. So Take 10 minutes, walk down to the kitchen. You're always going to find a family. You're always going to find someone to greet, someone to make sure they're feeling comfortable, they've got what they need. So that's a bit of a deliberate thing. Um, You know, we're not all holed up in our offices as sort of, you know, maybe some other office type work is. So we have the opportunity to go and grab a cookie and and, uh, a coffee. Well, you know, we we talk about the Ronald McDonald House 10. That's actually the 10 pounds you gain when you start working here from all the cookies you eat because you go to the coffee station and you talk to families and you eat a cookie. So that kind of just happens. Maybe that's a deliberate action too. I don't know. But, but there, you know, it is sort of an encouragement to, to not be in your, in your office from sunup to sundown. My name is Kim Gilbert and I am the Director of Human Resource Development and uh, yeah we are here in the kitchen at Ronald McDonald House. Why did you want to come here? You know the kitchen is the heart of this home for me. I think most of the meaningful interactions that we have with families happen in this space and and the meaningful interactions that families have with one another happen here I think. What, why, what, what is it about this space that makes it so conducive for families to, to, to get to know each other for those relationships? Yeah, it's so normal. It's such a space of normalcy for families where they can have a meal together, where they can prepare their favorite meal or have us prepare a meal for them. But then that opportunity to sit 
and share their experience with a family that truly knows what's going on in their life. You know, as staff people, we are here every day and we're witness to their stories, but we don't experience these things, you know, in this, on the same level. And to have families connect with one another is um, a huge gift, I think, of the work that we do. And this sort of common space is, uh, magic happens here. It's so interesting that about the, the common experience, because, yeah, it, and I, I can imagine there, there maybe there's a sense amongst families that, I'm, I'm in this alone and then all of a sudden they're in the kitchen and they're making breakfast or dinner and then they meet they meet another family. Yeah, it's absolutely true and kids, watching kids connect with one another as well. So, you know, being away from their, their regular lives and their regular friends and their regular school mates and to be able to find kids maybe the same age that are experiencing the same thing or siblings, you know, siblings need support too during these times. So it's not always the kids that are going through sort of the illness or the crisis that are with us at the house, they're often at the hospital. So these siblings are having a very abnormal experience for their life as well. And so they can um, they can meet others that are having that same experience here. What is it like, Kim, to, to see that happening like right, right before your eyes? Yeah, it's amazing. I have worked in the nonprofit sector for a long time now. And um, the most rewarding thing about this work is the mission is directly in front of us every single day. So our offices surround the kitchen, they surround all the common areas. We watch families, their lives in action. It's a huge honor and privilege to, to be witness to that. And uh, you can't lose sight. You can't, it's hard to take your eye off the ball when the mission is sitting at the dinner table every day. What was it about this place that that attracted you? Because you were telling me you've been here for eight years now. What what was it that initially drew you in? You know, it was probably that. It was probably that ability to be close to the mission. I've done other work in fundraising and volunteer work, and um, which is great, but pr primarily um, around agencies that fund research, which is important and fabulous but not right next to the people you're serving so you're sort of arm's length so i think it was really appealing to me to be able to witness the work um, in action every day yeah. so as a human resources development you're the you're the director here what yeah. what does all that entail <laughs> yeah so this is a new title for me i started as the volunteer uh, coordinator became director of uh, volunteer and family programs. I've had a few different titles, but this is this is new for me. Um, and you know, I just love people. I love watching. Um, I love watching folks grow into who they are, so that they can better serve those around them. And so I think you know, my role here really is to. There's a few things. Um, you know, professional development and having us understand what we need to know to serve families better, but also working in equity, diversity, and inclusion as well. Um, and so helping with all of the wonderful organizations in the city that are doing such great work, learning, bringing learning back to our staff, um, bringing professionals in to teach us about that. We serve a really diverse group of families here, and I think um, and that's going to continue to change and grow over time. And we need to understand that we don't know what we don't know. And we need to do a lot of digging to ensure that we are, every family is supported holistically, completely, with all of their needs in mind. So that's really exciting for me right now to take that journey. I find the part where you just said, you know, we need to, we need to understand about the things that we don't know. So what, what would be an example of that, that, that you're, 
you're developing or, or learning right now? Yeah, well, an you know, just an interesting thing that's been on uh, my mind the last couple of weeks and some learnings over the past little while are about just different ways of being, governing, meeting. Um, so I think, you know, we don't necessarily, as a staff, I'll start sort of with a staff example. Um, you know, we have a pretty typical meeting agendas and, and structures most of the time, but um, one of our staff members is actually going to lead us in a talking circle in a couple of weeks because that's a, a different way for us that we don't usually consider um, to do our work. And so to look outside what our checklists and our work plans and all of that to um, explore another way of being that is common and normal for some of the families we serve, right? So if we can begin to practice um, and learn some of these um, different ways of conducting our work, that's going to impact our families. Everything from, you know, the food we serve, um, you know, sometimes we're, we're cooking rice in the morning for breakfast because that's what our families consider normal. Like we wanna provide a normal environment. Well, normal doesn't necessarily mean one way. So I think, you know, we, we have some diversity on staff, but largely we see things one way. And so we need to begin to understand the other ways <laughs> there are and to support those families that find comfort food in different places than we do. Uh, things like that. That's, that's really interesting. Um, you also mentioned too about how, um, you know, there, there are maybe some common traits that, that your colleagues have um, that, maybe, that maybe you need to, to work in a place like this. And, and I, you know, getting, you know, meeting some of your colleagues today, it's like, would it be fair to say that it takes, um, it takes a special person to, to work here and to, to really thrive? Like, would that be a fair assessment? I think so. I think the common, what I see with my colleagues is a common desire to have impact in our community. So I think that our sort of our motivation doesn't come from hierarchy, it doesn't come from position, it doesn't come, I just don't see that in my colleagues. I see us, you know, working to have impact, to have meaningful work, and to do whatever it takes to, to serve families without being sort of taking our eye off the ball in terms of, you know, how will this get me promoted? That, that's, that's not how we behave here. We behave in a, it's a service, we serve, we serve, that's what we do. So I think, you know, I hope that's not special. I hope that lots of people work in that way, but certainly that's common here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. That's re that's really wonderful to hear. Um, you you must see, especially in your eight years here, you you must meet so many people and so many families. Um, I'm wondering, Kim, if there are any stories that maybe stand out to you that that um, have have stayed in your in your heart over the years. You know, there, there's lots. It's hard to, to choose one particular story, but I, I do know that I, I come from a small town and I am always, um, I have a soft spot for the families that come from really small centers. There's just lots of folks that, that come, but you know, the way that communities rally around families in times of crisis is really inspiring. And I think um, we all, could learn a lesson from um, from these small communities. They they support their their neighbor um, in many ways. One and and then they support the house as a result too. But I think you know I just think to 
to families that have come from small centers and they've been with us for months and have to adjust their entire life. I really do just have, uh, and then they give back, then they go home and they've gone through this, you know, crisis and then they decide, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to have a fundraiser or I'm going to tell my friend to volunteer or, um, it's just remarkable the way people give give back. It's awesome. It's actually really humbling. Yeah, I, I was just about to say it, it must be humbling and then like overwhelming at the same time too, like, the, the generosity that you experience. It is. And you know, kids, when people say, oh, like I have lots of faith in young people these days. I think that they are much uh, better informed about the world than, than I was um, as a teenager. But kids are amazing. The way that kids will um, rally and you know even volunteer these kids genuinely want to make a difference in their communities and they're asking intelligent questions and they're um they're going above and beyond to support our work sometimes they're dragged into it because they're you know whatever organization or school they're with is asking them to do the work but we do um we do have young people particularly university students that start with it and stay with us a long time and like i am completely amazed by like a medical student that carries that load and then comes here for four hours a week like it's it's really impressive with with covid and i know like i've experienced this at where i work at sherbrooke in terms of we can't have volunteers at sherbrooke what what has what has that been like in terms of because from my understanding like you have such a a big volunteer base but also a very passionate volunteer base what what has that been like to to not have that for oh gosh we're coming up on a year now yeah that's been really hard it's been hard um like the kitchen is sort of the heart of the home the volunteers bring it to life right so i think those relationships that volunteers um build with families, but not only build with families, but build with one another when they're here volunteering together. They really are these ambassadors for our work because they see the mission happening firsthand every day they come here. You know, we've been creative. We've found ways for folks to be involved in ways that aren't inside the walls of the house. Um, I think, you know, COVID has given us this opportunity to look at efficiencies and the best way to do things and re-envision some things. Um, but volunteers will always be a huge part of this place. Like we, our volunteer team um, is the equivalent of about 10 staff. So it's huge. It's huge. So needless to say, I'm really proud of our staff too, because we've had to really shift and, and adapt and figure out how to do things in new ways as well but we are we are just so anxious for the day that they get to come back so i was just about to ask like have you have you allowed yourself to think about what that day is going to be like when you can open your doors again to volunteers yeah we we definitely have been thinking about that and we've been sort of taking this time to talk to every staff person to say okay you know sometimes you do something the same way because you've always done it. So this is a chance for us to say, where are our greatest needs? Where is the meaningful work that we can plug volunteers into? And uh, what will that look like so everybody feels safe, is safe, um, and and is fulfilled, right? Because volunteering, you know, while while it can be very selfless, it, it, it needs to fill you up. And we understand that. We work really hard to give our volunteers a really good experience where they can understand the impact that they're having um, so they can go home and be really proud of that so yeah we're 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 in planning mode <laughs>
you're listening to episode 8, season 3 of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson, and we are visiting the Ronald McDonald House in Saskatoon in this episode. Follow and subscribe to the podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts, and you can also stream episodes on Spotify or the website yxeunderground.com. Find YXE Underground on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's where you can see some photos from this episode taken by Saskatoon photographer Rana Andres. A special thanks to Saskatoon's Michelle's Flowers for supporting this episode. As you heard Kim Gilbert mention earlier, volunteers play such an important role at the Ronald McDonald House. They provide care to families and spark energy within the house. Their absence has been felt by people like Marceline Zimmer. Marceline is the Director of Operations and takes a lot of pride in forming meaningful relationships with families. I was able to spend a few minutes with her and started our conversation by asking what she misses most about volunteers. I think most importantly, they just there's just a spirit about them. And the house is just more alive when they are around. And their care and compassion really resonates in the halls and in the dining room when they are there to ask families questions about, you know, how is your day? How are things going? Um, Do you need anything? You know, all of those questions are so important to the care of our families. And it's just, uh, we just really miss them. (laughs) Um, When... When you had to make the decision to to obviously close doors to to volunteers, what were like how how hard was that decision for you? Yeah, I mean, I actually wasn't um, around at that time. I was on a year leave, um, so I did a world trip and I took uh, a one year leave, and so I was gone during the pandemic uh, piece, and I actually didn't come back to work until June first. Uh, this past year. So I was away during all of that high stakes COVID shutdown and making those really big key decisions of of how to protect families and how to protect everyone in the house. Um, But certainly when I came back on June 1st, I mean, I had been away from the house for a whole year. And so when I came back, it just did not feel the same. I mean, it was lovely to be back um, in the presence of my colleagues and, and certainly the families, but there was a distinctive difference to the house. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's all. That, that must have been just night and day for you. Yeah, it was. It was. You know, um, it, it was a challenging time, I think, for everybody. Um, I think, though... Um, me being away for a whole year, I was just so happy to be back on Canadian soil. Um, so there wasn't much complaining from me. I was, I was certainly happy to be back in the house, to be back surrounded by those familiar faces and, and my colleagues. I really missed them over the last year. And, um, uh, it was, it was pretty great to be back in yeah. that regard. So with, with family services then in, as we're in the, the midst of this pandemic, um, how how has your how has your job sort of had to change to to meet the the new reality that we're in? Right. Well, first and foremost, our priority went straight to safety. How do we make the house safe? Uh, certainly, that led, of course, to the decision to not allow volunteers to come in because we needed to protect them first and foremost. 
we wanted to maintain our operations uh, so that families could continue to get the support they needed during this very challenging time. Um, but of course, we had to really revamp our sanitization processes. We had to have more control over who was coming and going in the house in order to limit the exposure in the community. So we shut down one of our side entrances and, and allowed and um, uh, had all families come through one entryway. And that actually allowed us to, to check in with families a little more regularly. We implemented a, a fairly strict health check system to uh, allow us to take their temperature and ask them how they were feeling. And really, we just implemented all those uh, Saskatchewan Health Authority um, protocols that they recommended. And so by um, um, go, having all families come through that one doorway, it really allowed us to implement that quite easily. So interesting, though, that it was it provided a way to check in with families more often. That's it, really interesting. Yeah, it did. It did because when they go, uh, when they can leave the building through multiple entrances, they will obviously just you know come and go as they like. But and that's great. We want to encourage that normalcy for them. But when um, we forced them to come through the front door, we could check in with them a little more, not just from a health check perspective, but a wellness check and just uh, an opportunity to find out how things were going at the hospital and if they needed anything. Um, so yeah, it was a great way to build those relationships. Wow. Um, I'm so glad you mentioned the word relationships because that has been a common theme in our, in our time here at Ronald McDonald House. Um, is, that one of, is that one of your best parts of, of your job is forming those relationships with families? Absolutely. Um, the families are incredibly resilient. I think all families are resilient for, for sure when you have to uh, balance children and jobs and day-to-day -day life and then a pandemic on top of that. Um, those are all everyday challenges that we all face. But when you throw into that mix a sick child, that, that puts a family into a tailspin. Um, and we, we very much believe that a sick child is um, a sick child has a sick family. And so we, we do our very best to wrap our services and wrap our um, amenities around that sick family to promote wellness and to ensure that families feel supported. During that time, um, relationships, you know, do strengthen and we get to know families at their worst and so when, when you get to know somebody at their worst, it's like the barriers are down. You, you understand each other. You can um, support them in a, in, a, in a much more authentic way. Um, so we, we become fairly close during family stays. Sometimes those family stays are one day, sometimes they're two or three, but sometimes they are upwards of three months, four months. And the longest family we've ever had stay here, I think, was, I believe, was a year. So we can get to know families pretty well. When, when you do have the families that stay here for like, you know, three, four, five months, um, what, what, what is that experience like for you? Because you're, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing them so much and you, and you must see, you know, their journey, whether it's, you know, good days and, and bad days. I'm just wondering what that's like for you. 
Yeah, I mean, certainly our family service associates are the most connected with families because they are, they really have their thumb on the pulse of all families as they come and go. Um, they are celebrating their medical milestones with them and certainly families, because we have become their closest family in, in the city of Saskatoon, uh, they are very keen and eager. They can't wait to get back to the house to share with us. Oh, their their child, you know, was um, had uh, some great progress today, and they just can't wait to sh tell us about that or show us pictures. So we are we are celebrating all the ups and downs with them, and so those are really special moments. So over the course of three or four months, we we do, do develop very close relationships. That's for sure. You you have been here for ten years. Is yes. that right? Yes, I have. What um, like what what keeps you coming back every day? Well, I think just just knowing how much of an impact we make with families, um, you know, it's a reminder that those little things mean so much. Um, I find the work extremely rewarding. It is, um, yeah, I I I struggle to articulate it really. Um, Certainly over the years, I've met so many families who have been through so much, who have many who have come out, you know, they've left and they've had really wonderful journeys and, and stories and they've left with a healthy child. Um, others were not so lucky. And um, while those numbers are few and far between, they still make a huge impact. Um, on the on the services that we provide and it certainly doesn't lessen the service or the value that they have um, uh, experienced while they were here so being a part of those really special moments and those um, you know hard moments I think just allows me to have a very fulfilling job um, the relationships I make with the staff, the volunteers, as we support these families and with the families themselves. Um, yeah, I just, I find my job very, very fulfilling. My name is Karen Lindsley and I'm the Director of Communications and Development here at Ronald McDonald House Charity Saskatchewan. So for myself, uh, as I mentioned, I started almost six years ago uh, here at the house and it, I'd been working at the organization for just over a year and we actually had a situation in my own personal family. I have three children. Uh, now 20, 21, and 15. And my middle daughter, uh, Emma, was actually diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And so that was sort of all while I was just pretty new to the house, just had been here over a year. Uh, it was a it was a really tough experience for our family. Um, we were very, very fortunate that, I mean, the process itself took probably three to four months to get diagnosed, but we we're very, very fortunate that her specialist was here in Saskatoon. And so for us, that meant, you know, I would pick her up from school, uh, we would come park at the house, we'd walk over to the hospital, and then she'd go back to school or go back home. And in her early stages of diagnosis, we were at the hospital sometimes three, four times a week trying to get things figured out and medications and monitor pain and everything. So it really made me 
think about why I do what I do here at Ronald McDonald House. For us as a family to have that option to go back to our house every night uh, to have our support of our entire family and our community here in Saskatoon was huge. When I recognized that our families here at Ronald McDonald House don't have that. They're coming away from their home, sometimes leaving, you know, other children back at home with other support systems, coming to Ronald McDonald House here, where they sometimes may feel alone uh, because they're not with their entire support system. So it really made me thankful, absolutely 1,000%, that we had the opportunity to do that as a family, to be together. And it made me work incredibly hard for our families here um, that stay with us um, to give them everything that they need while they're here at the house. And so I think us as a team at Ronald McDonald House have worked really, really hard to make sure that we provide them with the emotional support, the physical space that we create for them, as well as, you know, the nourishment through food and um, the programming and activities we do here at the house for them. Um, you, and you, you talk about the space, like we, we, Ronna and I just had the tour and, and, it, and I'm, I'm still overwhelmed right now seeing it. Um, when, when you, when you do bring, like, do you bring donors here? Okay, so what what is that experience like when 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 people do want to help, but maybe they're not sure how, and then they they step foot in this building? What's that like? Oh, it. You know what? I oh geez, it's like we haven't had so very many visitors, as I mentioned to you with COVID. We haven't had that opportunity almost since April of bringing regular donors through the house and regular people. Um, but it's a really, um, it can be a really emotional and overwhelming feeling for both the donor and for myself sharing the stories. I think um, because we truly believe in the work that we do, um, we consider it an honor to share our family stories with the donor and to share with them the types of experiences that we experience here at Ronald McDonald House with them. Um, donors um, sometimes are very overwhelmed um, get very emotional and I think the importance of having donors and other visitors like yourself in the house is because there's so many um, you know um, different stories or different ideas of who we are at Ronald McDonald House and so it gives us the opportunity to sort of set the record straight in some of those stories and say no we do support all families um, from all over Saskatchewan this is how we do it. And so we get the opportunity to to really just kind of lay things out for people and let them know what we do. And, um, you know, it's very, it's very moving um, to share those stories. And it's really the best way that we can share our stories by having people come right in our house and see what we do. That, that's so interesting that the, that's kind of the best way to do it. Because I, I can imagine too, as, as a communications person at a, at a long-term care home, there are different perceptions about what what it's like. And it's not until they step foot actually in the building when it's like, oh, they sort of, I don't know if it's a light bulb or something that goes off, but they sort of get it. it. It's the same way then here? Totally. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you get to see the families in the dining room eating. So then you kind of click to, oh, the importance of what that meal means to them before they go off for the day to the hospital. Um, when you go to the hospital, there's often lots of language and and verbiage that you're trying to retent during the day and you're trying to get all that other information in and um, if you don't have good nourishment in your body in order to do that sometimes that information just goes 
right over your head. Sometimes it does anyway <laughs> because of that jargon, that <laughs> the hospital jargon. But we at least know that we've sent them, you know, on their day with, a, you know, a nice warm belly and some, some good nutrition throughout their day. Um, the same thing happens at the end of the day when the families come home. They're tired. They're exhausted physically and emotionally. So to come home and have somebody have a meal prepared for them for supper, like what a gift. I would like that at my house. Uh, anyway, so I think it's pretty awesome um, that we do those sorts of things um, for our families here. And even bigger than that, you know, we have a team, um, our family service team, who kind of greets our families and, and brings them into the house. And they're sort of that first point of contact. They act as a real emotional support system for our family. So they're checking in with them daily. They're making sure that they're doing okay. And, you know, just double checking all their needs and that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's it's a real big, um, you know, our team, we all play a really important role in the care that we provide for our families. Um, I'm, I'm sure in, in your shoes, um, you can appreciate the power of a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, are there, in, in, your, in your time here, are there some stories that, that really sort of stand out to you? Yeah, well, so in the fundraising role, um, so sometimes I'm not um, always involved in what's going on specifically in the day-to-day activities of the house. Um, Lots of times I am, and I've I've witnessed so many great, wonderful things here in the house. In the fundraising world, one that really sticks out to me is, um, you know, people are so generous in what they do, and throughout our province, people do what's called a third-party fundraiser. So they have had an experience with Ronald McDonald House, and they want to give back now, which is just so hard warming to know that the experience they've had at the house was so positive that they want to they want to encourage others to give to that to our cause and so one time and and I'm a city girl and so one time I I received a call from a family um, in Prince Albert and they said you know oh they were from Tisdale but they were coming to Prince Albert they were part of 4-H my experience with 4-H is pretty limited. My dad was a farmer, so I remember him having these little trophies and me being so proud of them, but not having any clue of what that meant. Um, so I was invited to come out to a 4-H sale uh, in Prince Albert. And so what was happening is part of um, one of the children's projects was they were going to auction off their steer as part of um, their year-end project for 4-H. And then with those funds that have been, the the funds that they received from that, they were gonna make a donation to Ronald McDonald House. So I thought, yeah, this is great. I'll go out to the event. I'm gonna wear my jeans. It's gonna be fine. And, and you know, so this is gonna be great. So I drive up to Prince Albert and meet the family who had stayed here for a long time. So we just instantly were hugging and had that connection because we hadn't seen each other in a little while. and. And she said, by the way, you're going to go in the ring and help with the auction. And I said, "Uh, okay, like, I'm not really sure what that all entails. And she goes, no, like, so you go and then you have to look for the people bidding and then you have to go out to them. And meanwhile, I'm in a ring with a 2,500 pound steer. And yeah, so needless to say, she goes, do you want to, do you want to pull? Were you scared? Oh, I was scared. And I, but yet I was trying to pretend that I was cool and I sort of knew what I was doing all at the same time. And she says, oh, do you want to pull the steer, like parade the steer around? And I was like, no, I do not. Like, I do not want to do that. Um, so it was a pretty cool experience. And so they were helping me. We were having a blast. Well, by the end, I knew the lingo. I knew what I was doing. And we had raised over $18,000 for the house in the sale of that steer. So it was pretty incredible. I felt like they, 
embraced me into their community. And by the end of the night, I felt like we were all family and connected. And I thought, wow, they did exactly for me what I hope we did for them when they came to Ronald McDonald House. So it was a pretty cool experience. So with third-party fundraising, we've been to tons of different events. We went to a hog roast. We had a set of triplets um, in uh, the province of Saskatchewan that in a small town that were born and they did the same thing. So they, you know, dug the hole, roasted the hog, had a big party. We all came and they raised almost $10,000 for the house. So lots of really cool, unique prairie Saskatchewan um, things. I think another great one was um, out of Prince Albert. We have a family room in Prince Albert. We're connected uh, with Redhead um, Equipment. They're a huge uh, supporter of the house. And they invited me to come and I hopped on a combine and I combined a field that the field, then the proceeds from the grain were donated to the house. And that was a $21,000 donation to the family room, Prince Albert. So I've had some pretty cool experiences as far as reconnecting with families and reconnecting with the members of our community that have stayed at the house. And so it's pretty exciting to know that their love for the house is, is almost as as great as the love that I have as well. So it's pretty cool. I, I feel like it's setting you up for a career in agriculture too <laughs> afterwards. You know what? I have now uh, been to two sales, steer sales. And so every time I go, I give myself the, uh, I talk to somebody who on our team has grown up on a farm and I make sure that I'm fully aware of all the uh, language around cows um, because for a long time I didn't really have that. Um, so it's it's been really, it's been really great. And that's the great thing about our house and our family room being a provincial entity is that we get to experience those things in all different um, places across the province. And we get to go into the communities to um, of the families that we serve, which is just great. We get to get a little bit of a snapshot of their life as well. I know you have to go soon. So I, I just have one more question for you. Um, you, you mentioned that, um, and, and your stories do a wonderful job of illustrating the connection that happens with families when, when they leave. Um, but how, how do you, how do you maintain that relationship? Because, because I'm sure like, you know, throughout your career, there's been lots of families that have stayed here and then have, have gone back to their homes. How do you maintain that relationship? Yeah, it's a little bit different because we obviously want to respect them when they go back to their families and they go back to their communities. And so we sort of play a little bit uh, by ear. So we we often let them come to us, uh, depending on their situation, depending on the medical reason to why they were here. Um, you know, many of our families go home with positive outcomes, but there are families that come away from Ronald McDonald House and, and the outcome isn't exactly what they had intended it to be. Um, I think, for instance, um, there was one family that came, and at the time, my son was the same age as their son. He was 16 years old. They were from a community in Yorkton. And this boy, um, he had had the same type of cancer as Terry Fox had had, and he had actually had his hip removed, and so they, he wasn't able to have a prosthetic just the way that the surgery had happened. And they stayed with us on and off for, you know, a couple of years. Um, in the end, uh, this boy... Um, ended up being cancer-free and whatnot, and then um, a couple months later was admitted into the hospital. And just with the chemotherapy and the trauma and the surgery, he actually ended up passing away from heart failure. I'll never forget that day in my career. His family walked from the hospital over here through our back alley. We were all at the back door, 
um, waiting for them with open arms. And, um, you know, it was probably one of the toughest days that, you know, I've had here at the house, but it felt so good to be there for them and to be able to open our arms for them because we had built this relationship with them for so long. That's how it is with so many of our families. And I, and I use this family in particular because even though they experience such great loss within their family, um, the mom still stays really connected with the house. She has spoken at some of our events. We have asked her to speak at some of our events. Um, she actually now volunteers uh, at the Edmonton Ronald McDonald House to where she lives now. Um, so she has sort of initiated that c communication and, and um, relationship with us. She wants to continue that. And so that's been a great blessing in our life um, to have different family members like that around the province that want to do that. Um, sometimes it's too hard for families. Um, we, we were a place that, you know, ended up, um, you know, the, the outcome wasn't what they expected. And that's, you know, horrific for them. And so it's very hard for them to come back to Ronald McDonald House. Um, but we do find sometimes over time and, and in healing, um, they do come back to us, which is really, really great. So as far as how do we maintain that relationships, we continue to invite them to things that we are doing here at the house. We invite them to um, different third party events in their community. We invite them to different uh, signature events that we host here at the house and um, different types of, um, we had a garden party. And so we invited some of our uh, previous families to that and, you know, our fifth year or 35th year anniversary we invited some families to come speak at that so that's the that's the best way that we keep in touch with them and then of course through our social media outlets you know we're constantly sort of having touch points with them as well so uh, it is sad to see them go but we are happy that you know they get to go back to their lives and to their families and to their communities as well so if someone wants to donate how do they do it? Yeah, so they can donate directly through our website at www.rmh.sk.ca. They can drop a donation off by the house. The best way to see sort of what the needs are that we have here at the house is every uh, one Wednesday of the month, we post our Wednesday wish list. And so it has all the different types of items that we need here at the house um, on those particular month to support our family. So that's another great way. And they can just call me anytime at the house and we can talk about how they can get involved as a donor as well. Thank you for your time, um, and thank you for sharing those stories too. Because um, I think I think there is there's so much power that comes with stories, and you obviously have some very powerful stories. So thank you. Well, thanks for letting us share them. All right, I'm Stephanie Turner Fiasson. I'm the director of finance here at the Ronald McDonald House. So I'm responsible for um, the budget, the general operations of the finances, making sure that we're using our donors' resources appropriately, um, and everything that comes out of that. Stephanie, how long have you been here for? So I've been here for six months, just under six months. What has it been like for you? It's been a whole new adventure for sure. Um, I moved from Halifax on the East Coast, so getting used to Saskatchewan and, and how things work here. And I actually, I was in the corporate world before, so I've shifted into the not-for-profit world and just how the different focuses and, and the generosity of people that I've seen here has been really quite the adventure. Well, I'm so curious that you come from the corporate world and then you, you come to, to this world, this house, mm -hmm. um, and it's so unique. Like what, what, are, what have been some of the, maybe the, the biggest differences that, that you've experienced? I think it's just so, so heartwarming. I think, um, 
you know, my day, I actually have the best office in the house, I think, because we have a little wicket um, and we're right, we line the house, right? So you'll have families or staff that are walking by and we'll just stop in to chat. Um, and so it really, it brings to light or it reminds you um, constantly of why you do what you do. So it's, um, it's nice to be able to chat with families on our way in or out of the house. Um, yeah, so that's been really, um, really eye-opening. And then obviously, from the perspective of finance, um, a lot of our revenue comes from contributions from individuals. So all the events and being able to feel the excitement of those events and um, all the donations and the family stories, it's, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> I, I'm so glad you mentioned donors because can you just describe a little bit of like where, where we are and then what's what's in front of me behind you and what's behind me in front in front of you yeah so we're right at the entrance of the house um, we have our donor walls um, on each of our walls here so um, a list of all of our major donors for the year um, a list of all of our founding and forever partners all of the McDonald's who um, support us on the, one of the walls behind us um, has the list of all the capital contributors so when we expanded our house from 13 rooms to 34 everyone that contributed to that huge expansion are listed on our wall so it's kind of it's a nice little cozy all of the walls surround us have um, the list of all those donors that really helped to make this house a home so it's nice to to have all that at first sight when you look at at all these donors because there's so, there's so many names so many different organizations what what goes through your mind so i love i'm still new here so i'm still learning who everyone is but um our finance team every single name like they will know who they are so you know uh, an envelope will come in with a check and they'll tell me the story about how that person used to volunteer here and they've been donating every year since 1990 and so it's it's really cool to have that connection to all the individual donors um there there's the one like that that wall over there so over my left shoulder and it it, it has like those original donors but um Stephanie, can you just talk a little bit about how um how the 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 value of the of the donations has changed because i believe that's from 1985 yeah. and then um it's it's changed since then hasn't it <laughs> yeah yeah it's changed for sure i mean i still can't get over even in the difficult year that we've had um you know, people are still, I think I deposited like 134 checks on December 31st because the do donations were just, especially over the holiday season, donations were just coming in. People are, you know, there's such a connection to the house that even if they're having a hard time, they feel that it's important to make that contribution and make sure that they're helping out the families. So for me, that uh, that was just so heartwarming in terms of um, seeing the progression that, you know, the ups and downs of the world, uh, uh, you know, there's still that constant coming, which is great. I'm kidding. Because, like, in 1985, a big donation would be considered, I think there's, like, is it $15,000, I think, is on the plaque there? Like, that was considered yeah. a big donation. Yeah. It's a bit different now. It is a bit different <laughs> now, yeah. yeah. The numbers have certainly increased. I mean, I can't uh, speak too much around the, the historical context of it since I'm still new, but I think... I mean, this year we had we were very fortunate to have a, a matching donor for our radio blitz this year who contributed a hundred thousand to to our event, which was awesome. Um, but I think the range of it too just amazes me for that this one event. So within my first two weeks, um, we had our radio blitz here this year, which is a phone-in um, event or a drive-by event, um, and uh, we had. Um, 
people call in from the combine saying, look, I'm out in the harvest. It's the middle of September, so it's really hectic. I won't be back to my credit card for until it's dark out, um, but I would like to contribute to the radio blitz. Can you please put my name down? I thought that was hilarious, um, especially being from the East Coast. It's not, you know... Um, but so then, and every single person called back in later on to make sure that we had that pledge and they, they fulfilled their pledge. So I just thought that was so heartwarming. Actually, I called my dad after and was like, dad, you've got to hear this story. And then he proceeds to explain to me what a combine is and how it works, <laughs> and of course. Um, but I thought that was just so, so heartwarming. What does, what does that do for you and, and, and your team when you, when you have so, like, someone calling in like that? Yeah, I, it was just so touching. I mean, we had we were um, fortunate to have volunteers and staff and everyone rotating in to take those calls. Um, and so we got to hear all the stories of, you know, we would ask, do you have a connection to the house? And so we got to hear, you know, someone stayed at the house in Edmonton or they came to our house for six months. or um, And we got to kind of hear the stories of that impact of what this house meant to them. And some of them have grown up, you know, some of the kids have grown up being here for so many so much of their time so it was it was just so impactful to be able to hear the stories you you mentioned that it you know we're it's been a tough year and and obviously it has for for everyone and and in in so many different ways um so in in a challenging year Mm -hmm. from your perspective like and i i know you're you're still like pretty new to this but um do you like how do you go about um in terms of like the the donor relations and 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 maintaining that like is it is it more challenging in a in an economic environment like this definitely i think when the um when it initially hit we you know called up some donors and just said well we i think we initially talked to them called them just to see how they're doing because you know everyone is struggling right and and some of them were um, some of them were very generous in terms of being. Look, we know that it's hard. You can't have events, right? Events was a big part of our funding here as well. So um, we had to, uh, yeah. So this, we had a lot of people be very generous and just calling them up and seeing, hey, we're look, we're struggling. Is there is there anything we can do? And the donors were were very uh, very generous with that for sure. I think. Uh, I can't, again, I can't take any credit for this because I just started, but I'm so impressed with how the team took, um, you know, the events that we had planned and shifted them. Some of them got canceled at the start of the year, but in particularly the home for dinner that we did this fall, um, where it used to be a gala, giant gala, obviously we couldn't have those. Um, so what we did was take the, um, we had a dinner catered that um, you would go and pick up your meal and have an entertainment. So we did a program with um, Jess Moskaluk and and a, li- a silent auction or a live auction, um, and but the beauty of that that I love is that the team took it and um, did it throughout the province. So a lot of our families who come here are from outside the city. You have to be 40 kilometers um, outside the city. So. Um, we were able to reach those communities through this event, which we, you know, had COVID not happened, we might not have even thought of going down that route. So we've been able to kind of adapt those events to make them actually even more impactful because we were able to reach those communities. I'm just curious, you know, you, you've been in Saskatchewan for six months. Apologies for the winter. Um, <laughs> but 
because uh, it's been a hard one. Yeah. But I'm just wondering if you see any similarities, because it, it, it's interesting, you know, with that event, you were able to touch all these small rural communities. Mm-hmm. And I know having been in Nova Scotia myself, there are lots of smaller yeah. communities throughout the province. Yeah. Do you see any similarities that way? So many, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm actually from a little Acadian town in New Brunswick originally. Um, and so it's a little French community. And you you just kind of band together when you're from a small town in particular, right? So we had we used to have family dinners at my grandparents' house every Sunday, uh, and they would invite basically everyone under the sun. We had we picked up a hitchhiker at one point, um, and they came to dinner and they they stayed for a bit, I think. So it was just a, a super welcoming, and everyone knows everyone, and so you've got that kind of community feel, and that's probably the biggest piece that I've noticed between the East Coast and and Saskatchewan is people there is just that community feel with everyone and it's you know people stop by to chat even if they have no idea who I am which is which is awesome so it's that's been really cool and it's it's made me feel kind of like home even though I'm you know I'm still new here it's just been super super welcoming in that way so not, not only do you feel the community feel in this province but then you are now in an organization where that community is everything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that that community and that, I mean, the staff here have been so, so welcoming um, for me and for, for our families who come here. So I think coming into that environment has just been such a blessing. I think that's kind of a nice way to to end our conversation that was really nice stephanie thank you so much for your for your time and um um the summers are really lovely in saskatoon i look forward to them thank you (laughs) thank you so much You're listening to episode eight, season three of YXC Underground. I'm your host, Eric Anderson, and today we're looking at how the team at Saskatoon's Ronald McDonald House is making a difference in our community. In January, I sent Tammy Forrester an email totally out of the blue asking if I could do an episode on her organization. It would have been completely understandable if she would have said no or explained that her staff were were just too busy to speak with me. Instead, she spent nearly three hours with Rana and I on a Friday morning and shared stories illustrating why the work she and the entire Ronald McDonald team does is so meaningful. This was my first time meeting Tammy and I was just blown away by her empathy and how she looks to serve those around her. In the final part of our conversation, Tammy shares how she came into the role of CEO Spoiler alert, it's a really great story. And how a young mother who spent nearly three months at the house left quite a mark on her heart. But we start with Tammy explaining why the small, intimate room we were speaking in means so much to her. I would actually say we're sitting in one of those spaces that symbolize <laughs> symbolize for me um, what this place is for. So um, a couple years ago... Uh, 
we get great support and funding through RBC. RBC is a national donor for the houses across Canada and the chapters across Canada. So we invested our RBC um, wellness funding to create a space for families. Um, it's a quiet space. It's a spiritual space. It's a templative space. Um, it's a place where people can just pray. They can meditate. They can do yoga. They can sleep. It, it doesn't matter, but it's a, it's a quiet little space within the house that provides a bit of sanctuary for people. And I would say this, this space for me connects me very strongly to the mission of what we are trying to do with four families. We need to create a space where they can, they can think about what's happening in their lives. And that's what this house is. We don't know what's going on in the hospital, but we need to create a space in this house for people to really contemplate where they're at, whether it's stress over finances, whether it's stress over the, the healthcare of their child, what the next step is for their child, whether they're facing end of life for their child, whether they're facing the joy of, of their child healing and coming home soon. But for me, this, this small little quiet space symbolizes sort of the important work that we do. I um sorry I I just I I when you said the when you said that um you know you you don't know all the times what families are going through but you know they're going through lots and they just need that space that's that's heavy <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it yeah. is heavy and you know the the room is their sleeping space the the dining room and kitchen is their community space it's where they get to to see other people living room is their entertainment space um this this quiet room is their is their contemplative reflective space and and i think Everybody needs that in their life. They need some quiet time. They need <clears throat> time to themselves. They need to sit with their spouse or partner or, or caregiver. Um, and this, this beautifully lit, simple space can, can do that for them. So yeah, it's kind of a, the whole house has sort of, every, every space has purpose really it's it's purpose built you know mother's rooms are are built for moms who need to to breastfeed for their child but aren't with their child so there's a space for moms to go there's a rowdy playroom for kids to play because you gotta release energy and your kid has to do something here while they wait for their sibling who's maybe in the hospital um, so every space within this house is really purpose built but for me this this quiet room has sort of the most meaning. Um, you're so right about the purpose. Um, and I think of, of the tour that you gave us and even, even like the, the, the art and the hallways and the, the one, uh, the one stairwell. Uh, can you talk just a little bit about the stairwell where, where all the different town names? Yeah, it's, it's my favorite, um, stairwell in, <laughs> oh, we have a few stairwells in the house. So it's my favorite. It was, um, it was painted back in 2005 to celebrate, um, Saskatchewan Centennial. It was the hundred communities um, to sort of signify the hundred years of Saskatchewan. And so on the third floor, it starts with some, lots of our northern 
towns and communities that we uh, serve families from. And as you work your way down the stairwell to the lowest level, you get sort of to the south end of the province. And so each each um, sign is sort of a town or a community and how many kilometers it is away from the Ronald McDonald House. Um, those are the families we serve. Those are all the people we serve here at the house. And so it's just kind of a, it's a fun stairwell, but it's also, it also has a lot of meaning if you sort of think about each family that you know that come from those towns and how far they've had to drive for the medical needs of their child. You know, some people are driving 800 to 900 kilometers to get medical care for their child. Like that, that is a long way to, to come to access medical care. So, so this is a wonderful place for the house to support those families so that, you know, they don't have to find a hotel room or they don't have to eat out all the time and sort of, so anyways, it's a, it's a great depiction of all the communities that, that we serve. No kidding. Um, I think hopefully this, this episode will establish just how, um, how like emotional, um, this, this house is and, and I'm wondering, so for, for yourself, Tammy, when, like, are, are there times where, where, where you, you need a quiet space like this? Or like, do you find that at home? Or I'm just curious, because like, you, you and your team obviously do a, a lot of, of giving and, and supporting. And um, I'm, I'm just curious how, how you, how you deal with that. Yeah, I, I'm emotion on my sleeve kind of gal. <laughs> I, I don't hold that in. I have found myself sometimes at different events giving sort of a presentation about what the house and what the organization does. Uh, it can conjure up some serious emotions when I think, I think about the families we serve. So um, emotions run pretty high here uh, from sadness to joy to hope to concern emotions are okay and and wonderful to have here and and they exist in this space so we do encourage people to to let it out when they need to to find someone or some place or to take a moment and go for a walk we are beautifully situated on the riverbank this this spring we went for walks all the time you know you're dealing with COVID and you're dealing with closure of, of programs and you're dealing with loss of sort of the connection to volunteers and, and so all those things are, are very emotional on top of the emotion you know the families are, are experiencing. So I would say, you know, we're wonderfully located on the riverbank and nature provides that opportunity to sort of clear your head, you know, go for a walk, have a cry, whatever it is you need, take another staff member, talk it through whatever whatever it is you really need so those are some of the things i think during the day that just organically happen here um people feel comfortable doing that um when when i think about sort of how i deal with some of that um sometimes i cry here sometimes i go for a walk but i've got a wonderful support system at home as well and you know some of this stuff is confidential and you don't share sort of some of that stuff but you can share how you're feeling and sort of what the heaviness is sometimes um, but mostly mostly this place is just a joy to be at every day i i love coming to work i'm happy to be here i'm excited to meet families i 
love the team that we have. I, I, there's something magical about this place for me. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. Um, in in your in your time here, and I'm I'm sure you could think of hundreds of stories um, of of families. But is there? I'm I'm just curious if if there is if there's one or a couple that maybe stand out to you that really you know, touched your heart because you said your, your heart's on your sleeve. So, um, are there, is there one that really stands out to you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure it's like a story about someone, but there, there was a, a young mom here, um, a number of years ago now. Um, she had, um, her and her husband had, um, had several sort of traumatic instances with, with getting pregnant and, and having a child. And so when she was pregnant and, and had a child, um, it was kind of a miracle child for her. And she, her husband had to work. And, and that's part of the story for many people that are here. You know, one of the caregivers, the mom or the dad is here. The other one is at home working because you know, there's still bills and there's still mortgages to pay and there's still jobs to be held down by people it's life right so she was here by herself and she was very she was very quiet she she wasn't sort of sort of openly um engaging in conversation she was pretty shy and i met her at the coffee station um sort of one of the first mornings that she was here and she was um a little uncertain as to what she had access to you know like I, I know there's food in the community pantry but can I really eat that and and can I can I have this and can I sit here and very tentative and she didn't have that partner to sort of bounce those questions off of right so anyways I met her in the coffee station one of the first couple mornings that she was here and and we just hit it off really really well and she ended up sort of a few days after telling me the story about how her and her husband had had so much trouble getting pregnant. And now when they finally have a child, like this child is just a, a miracle child. So her and I would connect. I'm here early in the mornings. And so she would always come down early and we would always sit and have um, a coffee together and, and we would have this visit together. And so she, her stay here by herself was, I, I want to say like 90 days or 110 days. Like it was a long stay by herself. And so her and I just, just really connected. And, um, that, that doesn't happen with everyone. Some people are here with partners. Some people are very, you know, don't need to sort of engage. Many people eventually do, but this person for me, uh, in particular, um, she just has a really, really warm spot in my heart. Mm -hmm. You must learn so much about people mm -hmm. doing this job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good, bad, ugly. <laughs> no, it's, you do. You, you learn about, uh, you know, how people interact, human nature, how people deal with stress, cope, um, how people find hope, how resilient people are. Like, it, it, you just see everything every day. This might seem like a very odd question to sort of end our conversation, but um, can can you tell me about the 
like the first time you stepped foot in here and I you told me a little bit of the story when we first walked in but like how how did you end up here Tammy? Well um it was just kind of by happenstance um my husband and I we uh we worked in Waskasu my husband ran the golf course I worked in the pro shop and the then executive director of the house was a member at the at the golf course so um Sandy Day was uh was the executive director and she was a member so we interacted often during sort of summer months and played golf together a little bit. And so one day she said, you know, Tammy, have you ever seen, uh, have you ever been to Ronald McDonald House? And I was like, no, like I, I kind of didn't even know what it was about, which really that's kind of the general census out there. What is that place about? Um, so she said, you know, Tammy, I'd love to give you a, a tour someday if you're interested. And I said, well, sure, that would be great. I'd love to see it. Anyway, so one day I'd come back to the city and we had set that up and so she invited me in and she toured me around the house. And this kind of goes back to me saying something, something magical exists here because the tour she gave was wonderful and it just, it just spoke to me. Like, I don't know why or how it just, it just resonated with me so deeply that um, after the tour, I went back to Waskasu and I, I said to my husband, well, I'm going to work there someday. And he said, like, what are you talking about? You know, you're a commerce grad, you're starting your business. Like, what, what are you going to do? <laughs> and I just said, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I will do there, but I, I will be there someday because that place is magical. And, and I, I need to be a part of that. I need my soul needs to be a part of this. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. Um, and talk about the power of a tour as well, because oh, like, yeah. like, and yeah, Ron is nodding your head. Like, you know, um, for, for listeners that Tammy gave us just the most incredible tour. Um, and it, it just, um, yeah, like goosebumps several several times like it's it's you're obviously you you give a wonderful tour but it's it's um it's it is it's a magical place here yeah, yeah it really is for those people that really don't know anything about ronald mcdonald house that drive by and and think oh i wonder what goes on there someday when we are open to that again and we can invite people and guests in for tours take a tour come and see what goes on here because i it's not until you sort of walk through the doors of this place that you understand what the service is for the families that we, we support it. It's a wonderful facility. It's a wonderful place for families to call home, but the mission is just so vital in the healthcare system in supporting families that, that are going through very, traumatic and, and terrible times um, this is the place that families should be to help support where they where their child is Tammy thank you so much not only for for today and the tour um, but like I I just emailed you out of the blue randomly one day and said I I'd, I'd love to learn more and you've been so accommodating and you like not you lined up guests for me like <laughs> It's like you're a field producer for the podcast. So uh, thank you so much, Tammy. Well, you're welcome. And thank you for being here. This has just been a wonderful morning for, for me and for our team. Like, they're very excited to, to be a part of this. My thanks to Tammy Forrester and the entire Ronald McDonald House staff for their cooperation and kindness in making this episode possible. 
To learn more about the organization, visit their website rmh.sk.ca. This has been Episode 8, Season 3 of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson. I host, produce, and edit this local independent podcast. If you like what you just heard, follow and subscribe for free to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review. You can also stream episodes on Spotify or the website yxeunderground.com, and that's where you can find every single episode of the podcast. Follow YXE Underground on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's where you can see some lovely photos from this episode taken by Saskatoon photographer and my friend, Rana Andres. Thanks, Rana, for spending an entire morning with me for this episode. I want to thank my cousin, Andrew Dixon, for making the opening and ending theme music for the podcast, and thank you to Danger Dynamite here in Saskatoon for maintaining the website. A special thank you to Michelle's Flowers for supporting this episode. Michelle LaPointe is the owner of Michelle's Flowers, and she has been a very dear friend of mine for years and years. I first met her through my wife. They were friends uh, before my wife and I started dating, and Michelle is just one of the the kindest, most sweet people you will ever meet. Uh, She wears her heart on her sleeve, and fun fact, Michelle played Division I soccer at three different universities in the United States back in the day. I just learned this, and I found that fascinating. Uh, Michelle's skills when it comes to, to flowers and arranging them are are just incredible. She did the flowers for our wedding um, six years ago. I think that's right, six years ago. Yeah, six years ago. I'm just doing the math. Uh, oh, I'm in trouble for that. Uh, but Michelle, uh, thank you so much for, for supporting this episode. And um, yeah, if, if you're looking for flowers here in Saskatoon, uh, Michelle's, that's where you should go because she's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, before I go, I want to acknowledge that this episode was recorded on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. YXE Underground is a production of the Salt Hammer Production Company. My name is Eric Anderson. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.